You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy this sermon. My life has been very uh, eventful. I've had a lot of bad things happen or not agreeable things happen in my life. Um, I have always said that my life is uh, like a bad B movie, that if you put my life on the screen, nobody would believe that all those things could have happened to one person. I came to my walk with Jesus late in life. The first 50 years of my life, I kind of thought of Jesus and Christ as kind of like a karma thing. You did good and you got good. So whenever anything bad would happen, I would be trying to figure out what I did wrong. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm not sure what was going on in his mind. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe he thought nighttime would be the best time to get Jesus alone for a little one-on-one conversation. Maybe he was so busy in his duties in the Sanhedrin all day, and this was the only time he could get away. We don't know. Maybe he was afraid of what the other Jewish leaders and the other people would think of him. Either way, He came to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. And now Jesus Christ had come on the scene that week, that feast week, that Passover week, and and he had caused a ruckus. He had made a whip with cords and, and, started, and started doing his thing and, and chasing out the money changers and the people who were selling animals. And he's taking the money, the money changers, and he's pouring it on the ground. He's turning their tables over, and, and, and he's got this zeal for the temple, right? I mean, this guy is serious, and, and he's done signs and wonders, and the people in Jerusalem are starting to believe in him, and clearly Nicodemus has seen this. He's seen this, and so we read in, uh, right after this, this uh, event in the temple and Jesus and the signs and wonders, we read this. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Jesus gets directly to the point, right? No, no niceties. It's not, hey, Nick, how's your mom and them? Which is what we would say in Tennessee. If you've, if you've been there, you know that's how it is. And down there in the South, I, I realized very early on that a lot of people thought that I was really rude. Me, right? I mean, I know that that's hard to imagine that I ever could be, but they thought that I was really rude because here's the deal. Before you begin any conversation, just Put this, write this down. This may be the most helpful note for you today. Hopefully not. But before you begin any conversation in the South, in Tennessee, Alabama, a place like that, you have to make nice first, okay? You have to be like, 
Hey, how's your family? How's your mom? How's your week been? Boy, this weather's been hot. Bless your heart. All that kind of stuff, okay? You have to do all of that before you can say, I'll have a Big Mac and a large fry. I'm saying even that person, right? Even the person at the McDonald's, or I know none of you go there, and it's bad and whatever, but it's delicious. Um, where, the store, wherever, whoever you meet, wherever you're around, people calling on the phone, you got to do this whole make nice thing before you can talk. Okay, and of course, when you say I'll have a Big Mac and a Coke, there's a whole other thing where they call all pop Coke, and so you have to say I'll have a Coke, and then they'll say what kind of Coke, and then you'll say Pepsi. It's a weird thing that they do. I'm serious. That's the way they do it there, okay? Don't say pop. They'll think you're weird. Um, Anyway, we don't see Jesus make nice here with Nicodemus. He gets right to the point. Jesus is clearly not from Tennessee, but listen, don't tell a Tennessean that. They'll, They'll freak out, okay? But the Bible says Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him, okay? Now, the Greek word here for answer means answer, right? It means that there's a question that's been done, or at least that you're replying, you're saying something to what's just been said. And so the question is, what was the question that Nicodemus asked? He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, that sentence ends with a period, not a question mark. So why is Jesus answering him? Well, we can only tell what Jesus thinks the question is by the answer that he gives, And this is what he says. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the word most assuredly here is literally amen, amen in the Greek. And it just means for sure, verily, verily, truly, truly. This is the truth. You need to understand. I'm saying it twice because it's twice as nice. You got to understand this is the truth, what I'm saying. Okay? Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see it. Jesus cuts right to the heart of Nicodemus' heart, of the question. And he's saying, this is what you must do. You must be born again. He's answering Nicodemus and telling him, because Nicodemus is clearly saying, look, you're from God, so give me the answer. And Jesus is saying, before you even get started, let me just tell you this. You ain't getting there without being born again. Now, Nicodemus is obviously taken back. By the words of Jesus, he replies with something ridiculous. You mean I'm supposed to go back in my mama? Right? Like, like I'm supposed to somehow get back in her tummy and come out again? Now, I don't know how large of a man Nicodemus was, but if you've seen my mom, I ain't getting back in her tummy, okay? Um, I could probably fit two of her in my tummy. So it's not happening, right? And, and I think that Nicodemus here is being a bit coy. I think it's a little silly. Clearly, Jesus was not talking about literally being physically reborn again. But Jesus doesn't necessarily come at him and rebuke him for it. But he gives him the answer. He lays it out. He says, listen, that which is born of the flesh, what you did when you, when you and your mama did, when you came out of your mama and you were born, that's being born of the flesh. But what's born of the spirit is spirit, Right? Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, because something's got to happen here. Now, why? Why? We're we're in this uh, study on who is Jesus. What is Jesus saying about himself in John 3 in this moment here? Let's let's come back to exactly what he means by you must be born again, and let's let's drop to John 14, 6, and, and, and let's take this very important, fundamental, powerful saying that Jesus tells us about himself. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, he says three things about himself. That he's the way, that he's the truth, and that he's the life. Now, what does he mean? 
That's the important part. What does he mean about this? Well, let's start with Jesus is the way. Okay, let's talk about what he means by I am the way. Some people think that uh, God lives in Albuquerque. Okay, um, Not really actually in Albuquerque, but that God is in a place that's something like being on a map. Okay, I looked at a map to, from here to Albuquerque. I got a picture of it here. You can take a look at it. Uh, and, and I started to count the ways from here to Albuquerque. Okay, the roads that I could take, um, the ways that I could get there. I realized there's an untold number of ways for me to get from here to Albuquerque. Not only in my car, but I can take a plane. I can ride a train. I can take a pogo stick. It, I can get to Albuquerque a hundred, a million ways. And they would all, in the end, get me to Albuquerque. There are many, many possible routes. There are a lot of ways to get to Albuquerque. But people treat God like that. They think they can just pick a route and a method and get to God. Right? There are a lot of different philosophies out there, a lot of different uh, lifestyles, a lot of different spiritualities, and many of them claim that they'll get you to a God, right? They'll get you to, to what you're looking for, to ultimate purpose, to all of those kinds of things. They say, go this way, go that way, right? Um, and, and, and people will just say, look, take your path. Take your path. Live your truth. Have you heard that? Live your truth. And we'll all meet in Albuquerque in the end. Right? They don't literally say Albuquerque. Yeah, I added that part. But the point is, we're all going to get to the same place. You live your truth. I live my truth. You do your thing. I do my thing. They're all just different paths. Some take longer. Some go the scenic route. Some are direct. But they're all just going to the same place. And we're all going to meet God in Albuquerque at the end of the day. And the problem is, is that Jesus is coming against that. Straight up, in this moment, in this place, he's saying, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. You can't just pick any path and be basically good, whatever that means. I think it means I'm not Hitler. I think that's basically what people mean by basically good. If I can find somebody who I think is worse than I'm basically good, so I'll do that, and then I'll just kind of pick a path, spiritual, non-spiritual, whatever, and we're all going to end up in Albuquerque in the end. And Jesus says, no, no, there's no many ways. I am the only way. I am the way. In fact, the early Christians were known as the way. Not a way, the way. And the, the, the people who kind of do the many ways to Albuquerque thing, they don't like that. They don't like that there's one way. Okay? The, in fact, many people bristle at the, at the very notion, at the very idea that you would ever say that anyone's ideas or choice of beliefs or lifestyle could be excluded as a wrong way. That you would say that there are some things that actually aren't good, that aren't right, that aren't going to Albuquerque, that aren't the right thing to do, that you could say that there are some people who just bristle at that idea, at the very notion of it. And some people get mad at Christians because Christians claim to follow the one true way. They say, no, I follow the one true way. That's why I'm so serious about it. And people get mad at Christians about that. But here's the thing. They need not to get mad at Christians about that, but to take that issue up with Jesus Christ because it's a truth claim that he made about himself. We're just repeating it. Right? Of course, here's the thing. The truth is everybody believes that their way is the only way. Everybody does. Okay? Even the claim that all roads lead to God is an exclusive claim. It excludes all claims that say only one road leads to God. It excludes all claims that say, well, these five roads lead to God and these 10 don't. It excludes everything other than the idea that all 
ways lead to God. And the problem is for the person who wants to be uh, kind of pushing this agenda, we'll all meet in Albuquerque in the end. Those people have a real problem because a lot of these ways are completely contradictory to one another. Right? They say completely different things. And they cannot be contradictory and all be right. Uh, just like two plus two can't be four and five at the same time. It's either four or it's five. Right? It's four for those of you who are. <clears throat> I don't want you to think too hard. I want you to be able to keep paying attention. So it's four. Um, Jesus knows this, right? He knows this, that there, that there is their contradictory claims and they can't all be right. And, and he says, listen, I'm making this very clear statement. I am the way. I'm the only way. That God provides the only path, that Jesus is God, and is the only way to God, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And our pluralistic society can rally against that all they want. They can say, tolerance, tolerance, and I'm all for that. We shouldn't hurt each other because we believe different things. But, but do not ask me to throw away the rules of logic so that I can say something that's nonsense, like all roads lead to heaven. Okay? I recommend that these folks who, who want to push that so hard, that, that are so enlightened that they go maybe take a trip down to the West Bank. Maybe go tell a Jew and a Muslim that they're so silly and that their grandparents and parents have been fighting and dying all this time for nothing. If they'd just be more enlightened, they'd see that they're both saying exactly the same thing. Let me tell you, that would not go well. Because there's one thing that all of us, okay, everyone who thinks really seriously about logic and reason and science and the rules of the universe, everybody who does that, they generally come to the same truth about this statement that Jesus has made, okay? This statement where he says, I'm the way. People who have done the work in science and philosophy and so on, they all think the same thing. They think this, it's either true or it's false. It's not one of many possible truths. It is completely exclusive, and therefore it's either true or it's false. Okay? The idea that it's one of many possible truths is actually just nonsense. And it doesn't matter how good it makes us feel about ourselves to say, all roads lead to Albuquerque. That may make you feel good. That may make it easier. That may make it so that there's less conflict or less difficulty with your brothers and sisters. And look, I'm all for you know, peace, and I'm all for working together, and I'm all for all those things, but I'm not all for lying in order to get there. Now, there's a logical axiom, a claim uh, that is self-evidently true, okay? Uh, it's called the law of non-contradiction, and the law of non-contradiction goes like this. It says, two or more statements that contradict each other cannot both be true in the same way at the same time, okay? You can't have multiple statements that contradict each other all being true in the same way at the same time. It can't happen, it can't happen. So when Hamlet's sitting there and he's, and he's doing his thing and he's asking the question, he says, to be or not to be. Was that good? You like that? All right, good, thank you. All right. I'm gonna work on that. He doesn't say to be and not to be. Because that wouldn't make any sense. Because Hamlet knows, like you know, like Jesus knows, that two things that are opposite of each other can't exist at the same time in the same way at the same place. And so we have been culturally programmed to think that all everything to be both and, especially when it comes to morality, philosophy, and religion, instead of either or. But the problem is, is that as much as we might want that to, to be true, it's not. And Jesus knows that truth because Jesus is the truth and he cares about the truth. And he says, straight up, 
I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that statement is put out there for you and I to do something about, to accept it, to reject it. But he states it clearly, I am the way. He doesn't leave room for analogies about blind men feeling elephants, if you've ever heard that one, and things like that. He doesn't leave any room for that. And so if you believe that all roads lead to Albuquerque, you are actually disagreeing with science and logic, but you're also disagreeing with somebody very important. You're disagreeing with Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way. And the statement is there in red letters for every human being to make a decision about. And that was on purpose. That was on purpose. He said it and he verified it through the miracles and through the giving of his life for us and rising from the dead. So when he says something about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he proves it out by showing that he's God and he has the power to show that those things are true. So one thing he did not do is leave any doubt about what he was claiming about himself. He didn't leave any doubt about that. Jesus is the way. He also says, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. Now, when Jesus comes in before Pilate, okay, he comes in before Pilate, the Jews have delivered him up. And Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Right? Pilate calls him over. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Here's Jesus, been, been delivered to him by his own people. And what follows is extraordinary. Let's look at uh, John 18. 34 through the first part of 38, and says this. Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly, that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? People have never stopped asking this question that Pilate asks here. What is truth? And our whole culture right now is, is asking this question in a thousand ways. And we're running in a thousand directions. And the more we run from the truth, the more we suffer and the more we see it. And the darker it gets. We don't like People claiming things about truth. And here's the reason why. Because we don't like the cost of the effects that the people who claim to know the truth have caused. Okay? In the, the philosophers and the scientists of the Enlightenment, they told us something. They said, listen, listen to us. We're going to solve the world's problems. We're going to create a utopia because people are super smart. And through reason, we're going to walk forward and usher in this incredible world of utopia. We don't need God. We don't need any of that. We need science and reason. And boy, are we smart. Right? They're saying we now know the truth. And we're really going to create this society that's perfect. That was the truth brokers for several hundred years. 
what they were telling the world. And then we got into the 20th century. Here we are, the industrial revolution. We're dawning on this new age. Is everything going to get good? And then we threw away any notions that these guys had any idea what they were talking about when World War I came. And we started killing everybody. And then if there was any doubt remaining, it left when World War II came. The idea that we're so smart, that we're going to usher in this incredible existence, this utopia, that we're going to create it. All these people telling us that they knew the truth, and they still do. They say, we know the truth, follow us, we'll tell you what to do. And we see the, the sexism and the racism and the brutality and the genocide, and we go, whatever you're saying is truth, I reject that. And now we're, now we're lost. We're rudderless out in the sea saying there is no truth, just like Pilate said 2,000 years ago. There's no truth. What do we do? What do we do? And yet at the same time, we're, we're just yearning inside. You see it in, in the young people today especially who have grown up more disconnected from any kind of objective morality and truth than I think anyone has for at least a very, very long time. And they're at some level crying out inside themselves, give me something real. And against that backdrop, Jesus is saying, I am the truth. See, Pilate knew. Why is he asking what's truth? Because just like the people today, it was the same story for him. He was a Roman, a powerful Roman. They had their philosophers and the wisdom of the Greeks. It was the same story. We're going to figure it all out. Look how smart we are. Look, whatever. And he knew that it was all a disaster and a disappointment and a bunch of nonsense. Pilate knew that like so many know it today. It's all upside down. Here's this good person, Jesus Christ, in front of Pilate, who he knows is innocent, and the bad person is telling the good person he's going to be executed. The world is upside down. Pilate knows it, and so he, so he cries out, what is truth? What is truth? And yet Jesus was saying something very real when he said, I am the truth. He's saying, there is a truth, and I am it. You will stumble over yourselves to find a way around it, to find a way to think y'all are the truth, to find a way to think anything is the truth, to make little gods in your own broken image to try to suppress the truth. You'll try to go all around, but when you run out of places to go, you'll turn back and you'll find that the whole time what's been true is that I am the truth. That's what Jesus is saying to us there so you want to live like God doesn't really care what you do or what you think in the dark. And so you try to push away the truth, and then you get confused, and you say, what is truth? But the whole time, he's been right there saying, I am the truth. In John 1, 1 through 5, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're talking about the Son here. We're talking about Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God. Nothing was made without him. Every truth is his truth. He is the truth. The very laws of nature are his. He is the ultimate reality. There is nothing and no one more real than God. There is nothing and no one more real than Jesus Christ. He is the definition of reality. There is nothing more actual, factual, 
and real than Jesus Christ. What is truth? According to Google, it's that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality, and there's nothing more in accordance. There's nothing more in accordance with fact or reality than Jesus Christ, through whom all reality we know was made. There's one truth, Jesus Christ, and there's people all over the world today, and they're crying out inside. Is there any truth? They told me that money was going to be the truth. That's what they told me. They told me that, that sex was the truth. They told me that power was the truth. They told me that, that chasing happiness in this way or that way was the truth. And yet here I am, lost and broken and crying out, what is truth? And Jesus stands next to us in that moment of brokenness and says, listen, child, I am the truth. You want reality? You want security? You want something real? It's me. It's me. And I'm the life. Jesus is the life. Now, we go back to Nicodemus here. Jesus tells Nicodemus he must be born again. And Nicodemus, he can't fathom what he means. What do you mean, Jesus? And he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit the Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Why? Why do we have to be born of the Spirit? Why was Jesus telling that again? Demas, why is Jesus telling to us today? Why do we have to be born of the Spirit? Why do we have to be born again? Because here's the deal. Listen. Before we're born of the Spirit, we're dead. We're dead. Listen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Without Jesus, we're dead in our sins. We have no hope. We've rejected God. We've gone our own way. And it started at the very beginning, Genesis 2.17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What did we do? We ate, right? We did it. We've been doing it ever since. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And there's a consequences. There are consequences for these actions, for these sins and trespasses. It says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, we have earned death through our sins. We have earned death by suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, by suppressing Jesus in unrighteousness. We have earned death, and we are dead spiritually. You may be walking around, you may be breathing physically, but you are dead spiritually if you're not born again. But Jesus is the life. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship." created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's good news. Being born again is about going from death to life. 
We cannot see the kingdom of God as dead people. Dead in our sins and our trespasses. We can't see it. We cannot see the kingdom of God as imperfect people. We can only see the kingdom of God. We can only have peace with God through Jesus Christ if we are born again of the Spirit. Because Jesus is alive. John 5 24 through 26 says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus is the life. As Jesus continues to talk to Nicodemus, he says one of the most well-known things in the Bible. This is what he says. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, not die, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And here's the thing. Clearly, when we're talking about Jesus as a life, we're talking about salvation, right? About going from death to life. That is to say, we're talking about that moment wherein we believe, wherein we receive, wherein Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior, and we're saved, and we move from death to life. But listen, we're not just talking about that. When we accept that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, and we accept his forgiveness, there is, a, there is a moment of salvation that is a glorious and beautiful thing. But when Jesus says he's alive, he's saying even more than that. He's saying not only that you aren't going to die and that you'll be able to have peace with God, he's also saying that in him you will have life, both now and forever. Listen, we're not supposed to become sky gazers, waiting, just waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, you know, I'll just do what I have to do to get along here because life sucks, and I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back because heaven is the only thing that's going to be good, right? That's not our calling. The amazingly good news is not only that Jesus will come back someday, which is great news, It's not only that when we physically die, we'll be with Jesus Christ, which is also great news, but the amazingly good news for the Christ followers is that we are already living life in him. Already, now, we are already being made new. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's already happening. When we find our life in Christ, he's already working on us. We're already living that Christ life of his peace and his grace and his joy. John 10, 9 through 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. Jesus is the life. When he says that, that's what he's saying. He has an abundant life for us right now. And Christ followers should find joy and hope and peace in that. Now listen, I'm not peddling some nonsense about life without pain or difficulty or that you're all going to have lots of money or anything like that. In fact, I know that pain and difficulty are coming for all of us because that's part of life and Jesus tells us that. 
we will face persecution. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be difficult. But there are also eternal rewards that we are building up, that we're experiencing in life in Christ that nothing on this earth and no pain will compare to. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 3, we're told that the works we do as Christ followers, the ones that endure, will bring us eternal rewards. Gold, silver, precious stones, right? We're told in 1 Corinthians 6 that we'll judge angels, Uh, The things that God has for us to do are big and exciting, and that's never going to stop, and that's now, and that's later. There is so much for us now, and there's so much for us in eternity. There is life in Christ because he is the life, and I cannot begin to tell you the blessings that I have received, the joy that I have experienced, and the abundant life that I have had as a follower and a child of the King, Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you. I cannot begin there is a huge difference between being physically alive and having life in Christ. A huge difference. You can be your zombie self walking around, doing the same things, chasing the same nonsense, living like a gong show, doing all of that, and you can be alive, you can be breathing. But life in Christ is something entirely different. It's real life. And it's not just in heaven, it's now. It's now. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're just holding on, you're just holding on, waiting for heaven, you're just holding your breath and waiting for heaven, you're just, you're just Lord, just come get me as soon as you can. I, just, I, I don't like all this nonsense. And have you seen what they're putting on TV these days? And the whole thing. And like, you just, you just want to get there, right? I don't want to think about this. And everyone who talks to you, it's just a, you know, a Bible verse or whatever. And you, and you just can't, get, you can't enjoy life. Listen, you're missing so much of what Jesus Christ has for you. He's the life. If we're going to be in him, let's have that life. Let's not shut ourselves off to that, waiting for some future hope, which is awesome, but it's now too. This is what C.S. Lewis says. I know you're shocked that I found a C.S. Lewis quote for this. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer, by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. Christ has so much for you. He has so much for those who follow him. There's so much life in him. Why are we here? Why do we serve him? Why do we go to Honduras and the Philippines and do the stuff in Alaska? Why do we give our time? Why do we give our money? Why do we meet together? Why do we have life groups? Why do we do this stuff? Because the love of Christ compels us because we know he is life. Both now, both in salvation both in abundant life today and in eternal life forever. We know that. And that makes us want to go. That makes us want to say, hey, you, you need life in Christ. It's real life, I promise. You don't know anything like what you're going to know as a life in Christ. And when Jesus says he is the life, he means it. 
There is no other God. There is no other truth. There is no other life. Jesus is the way. All other ways lead to death. For the person who wants to say that all roads lead to Albuquerque, be careful. It's not just illogical to say that. It's dangerous. Your job is to find the right way. Your job is to look at all the truth claims that exist out there and decide which one is the most likely to be true, which one seems to bear the most evidence, which one is real. Not to tell people that every way goes because the fact is only one way leads to life and every other way leads to death. If you tell them they can take any road, you're telling them to go to their death. So be careful about peddling that. Be careful as a Christian about backing away. Be very careful about this. When someone says, oh, you're a Christian, you probably think that yours is the only way. And you say something like, well, no, I mean, I do my thing. This is my truth. Don't say that. That's not Christianity. That's not what our Lord said. I am the way. That's what he said. Don't be embarrassed of him and what he said. Because again, if you you give people an edge to believe that they can believe anything and it's still all good, it leads to death. There's one way. There's one truth, Jesus Christ. In reality, everything else is shadow and smoke. There's nothing. There's nothing but Jesus. There's nothing but Jesus, and in the end, everyone will know that. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow and claim that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is. Because he is the only truth. And listen, Jesus is the life. Everything else is dying and death. In Jesus is found abundant life, joy, hope, and peace that we all seek. And if you cannot get excited, listen to me, Christ followers. This is for Christ followers. If you cannot get excited about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, you are keeping yourself from inexpressible joys that are yours. You are keeping yourself from inexpressible joys that are your birthright as one born again, born of the Spirit, born into life, a child of God. This is your birthright, to have joy. Even in the sorrow, even in the pain, even in the difficulty, to to live in the joy of knowing, just, just basking in the love that Jesus Christ has for us. What do we want more than love? What do we want more than affection? Go and look on Facebook. What's everyone looking for? Give me love. Give me value. Give me peace. And Jesus is saying, it's all yours in me. I'm the life. Come, take, this river doesn't stop flowing. Your cup can just run over because I've got it all to give. And yet we're like, no, 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 I can see that. I can see that, but I really think that just another season of this Netflix show will get me where I want to be. I really think that if I just get together with this boy over here or this girl over here, I really think that if I can just get that raise at work, we're going to see if that will work. Because if I take this water, I somehow feel like I'm having to give something up instead of recognizing everything I'm getting. And Jesus is saying, it's flowing, baby. Come get it. I'm the life. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And if you're a Christ follower and you have stopped being plugged into the vine, you're dying. Spiritually, once again, you're just fading away. It's not that you're not saved. It's just that you're not going to be good for anything. Have your joy in Christ. Yes, crap happens. It's the only way I'm allowed to say that during a sermon. Bad things happen. Not because God doesn't love you, but because you live in a broken and fallen world. Bad things are going to happen. So you can either think that that means that everything sucks, or you can say, 
bad things happen, and yet I'm a child of God, loved by Jesus Christ, and I have life. I have his life in me. And I can be joyful. Not always happy, but joyful. Inexpressibly joyful as I remember that no matter what, I'm his. Right now. Not just forever. Right now. And we can trust him because of that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's who he is. He's it. He's done everything he needs to do to prove that, to show that to us. He's done everything he needs to do to make it possible for you to have life. He gave everything. He couldn't have given anything more. He became a person. He's God. He allowed us to kill him. He could have at any time... When people start punching and pulling his beard out and spitting on him and beating him and mocking him at any time, he could have not just said, okay, dude's dead, dude's dead. He could have done much more than that. He could have said, okay, universe, gone. It's over. I should never have made this. Anytime he wanted to. He's the one who holds it together. And not only did he not do that, he didn't kill the the people, let alone destroy the whole universe, which is what I sure would have done. I'd been like, start over. That's not what he did. He suffered it for you. What more could he have done to show you? You can't just say you're the way, you're the truth in your life and not, and not put your money where your mouth is. Well, no one has ever put their money where their mouth is more than Jesus Christ who died for you and who proved that he was God by rising again. Now, if you don't know him, if you don't have that Christ life, today's the day for you. Make it happen. Jesus Christ is God. He's the son of God. He died and he rose again. And it's because of his death that your death can be undone. It's because of his death that you can go from spiritual death to spiritual life, that you can be with him forever and be with him right now. And if you're a believer, a Christ follower, today's the day for you. Stop moping around. Smile a little bit. You have the life of Jesus. He's the life. He's in your life. Yes, I know You were late to work and there's traffic. I know. It's Jesus. You have Jesus. Come on. People should see that on you. People should see that on me. Let's be an example. Let's be ambassadors for the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the ways to do that is to show that we have the Christ life in us and flowing out of us. So be in the word. Be in relationship with your brothers and sisters. Be growing and be praying and let that just be connected to the vine. He's the vine. We're the branches. Look, without him, we do nothing. Everything we get, all of our spiritual life flows from him. Stay in him so that you can be the life to other people. Because we want more people to have that life. I'm all about that life. Right? Don't laugh at me. That was my best millennial thing that I had for today. Listen. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Let's play that video. It means peace. It means that um, I can be who I am and not worry about doing a checkoff list so that I could be the perfect Christian and... um, earn his love because he already loves me. In the last six or eight years, I've come to understand that it's, that's not the way it is. It's that God has a plan and he's there with you 
and that he doesn't do bad things just because you sin. And that by knowing that Jesus died for my sins, I know that, that I'm forgiven. And I'm a little bit more at peace just knowing that he's in control and, and I don't have control over it. If you put my life on the screen, nobody would believe that all these things could have happened to one person. But looking back on it now, I realize that God's always been there with me, walking through it. In the times that I haven't been able to hear His voice, He's had people enter into my life that have been able to speak to me uh, what I needed at that time. He's introduced some amazing people into my life that have shared and let me know that He is there and He's watching out for me. He loves me, has a plan. He knew me before I was born, and I truly believe that. So it brings peace to my life. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.